Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 14. And today I want to talk about、uh, heroes and saving lives, the art of conversation, and the weather. Yeah, the weather. I once did an art of conversation course, and I'm sure we were told that the weather is not a good topic for conversation. Never talk about the weather. But I disagree. I find weather very fascinating. Of course, some people complain about the weather. It's always too hot or too cold,、uh, too much rain or not enough. And、uh, yeah, that's not interesting at all. That can get a bit boring. <laughs> But the, the areas I do find weather interesting is when I'm talking to people, especially people from overseas, and their weather is very different from our weather. And I find that very interesting. So, what's the weather like where we live? We, I could tell you that we have cold winters and mild to hot summers. And some people describe our weather exactly that way. Um, I was telling an American friend the other day about our cold winters. I described how the temperature falls below, below freezing point overnight during the winter and how we can wake up and find that we have a frost. Not every night.、Um, we rarely get any snow.、Um, every couple of years or so we might get a fluttering, but yes, we don't normally get snow. But I described our winter as cold. And my friend laughed and she said, compared to the weather that she experiences, Ours isn't very cold at all. During winter where she lives, the ground is covered with deep snow, you know, for a long time of the year. She has to shovel it away from her paths and I guess、uh, the snow plow goes along the roads and clears the roads so that the cars can go along them. And yeah, very different from our cold winters, which makes me think that how we experience the weather is very relative. What's cold to one person is certainly not cold To another. Yeah, so we don't get,、um, snow here very often. But I do, I have experienced such snow and I do remember a very cold winter. It was,、oh, when I was a university student,、uh, I studied,、um, botany for three years at, in Wales in a, a coastal town. It was a seaside town known for its tourism and its university. And it was called, well, it still is called Aberystwyth, which I find is a, a lovely name to roll off the tongue. And one particular year that I was there, I was there for three winters. We had so much snow that Aberystwyth was isolated from the surrounding communities.、Uh, I arrived on the very last train that got in.、Uh, I think we, I was coming home,、uh, coming back to Aberystwyth from Uh, the holidays for the start of the new term and I'd arrived a few days early. Our train was the last one in before the tracks got snowed, well, I, I suppose, snowed upon so that the trains couldn't get in or out. We couldn't even get any boats into Aberystwyth even though it was coastal because the salt water harbour froze over and I was told that that meant it was very cold.、Uh, yes, we, the snow plows cleared the roads. And they dumped all the snow on the beach. And I remember that sight. It was quite surreal seeing all this snow on the beach.、Uh, I really wished that I had a camera in those days and I'd taken a photo of it because I'm sure it would have、uh, been a wonderful photo opportunity. And being a student, I was rather poor in those days. I had this meter in my one room that I rented. 
I had to feed it with uh, money to keep the electricity going. I could just watch it going, the meter going round and round and round. The fast, the more electricity I used, the faster the meter went round. And I couldn't afford to put much money into this electricity meter. So I couldn't turn on my uh, heater to heat up my room as much as I would have liked. So I ended up wearing as many layers of clothes as I could fit on and sitting under a few blankets as well. I don't think my children have uh, ever experienced that level of cold. Uh, they have never seen snow like that snow that I experienced. Uh, they have seen snow though because one year it did snow enough uh, to form a white layer on the ground. Now it wasn't a very thick layer of, of snow but there was enough snow there to make snowballs and as soon as my children woke up and saw that snow that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to go straight outside and, and uh, form some snowballs and play. And they spent an awful long time putting on their coats and scarves, hats and gloves before they headed out the door. And yeah, it took them a long time and I thought they'd be out there for hours. And I was very surprised when they all came back after only a few minutes. And they came through the door and they said, oh, It's much too cold, Mum. Their noses were red and... Yeah, they were shivering, and all they wanted to do was come back into the warm house. And it wasn't as much fun as they had imagined. And I wonder how they'd cope if they had to spend a winter in uh, such a place as my American friend's hometown. They probably wouldn't survive. I don't think I would survive either. It's been very a long, long time before I um, last saw snow, well, proper snow. So we don't normally have to deal with um, extremely cold weather. Yeah, just a small sprinkling of snow every now and then. That doesn't mean we don't complain about the cold, because we always do. We always think it's cold, but it's not extreme cold. But what we do experience is the heat. And sometimes, yes, we wish it was a lot cooler. We can have some very hot summers. Now, the worst thing about um, the heat is not actually being too hot. It's uh, the danger of bushfires. Yes, because um, whenever it's very hot around here, there is more chance that we're going to have a bushfire. Some of them get lit uh, by irresponsible people as a prank, and other times they get lit by uh, lightning during storms, summer storms. We all know the days that there is a danger of a bushfire. Uh, we have um, danger rating boards in our village, all the villages around here, and even some on the approach to town. And uh, they're changed every day to give us the danger rating for the day. They go from low to moderate fire danger right up to catastrophic fire danger, which means that on a catastrophic a fire day, uh, we have to be extremely careful because a bushfire is very, very likely. At the moment, we've had been about, the rating has been severe. We've had some quite hot days. Uh, it nudged 40 degrees yesterday, though I think it was a bit cooler today. Yes, but everybody knows what you mean when we say it's real bushfire weather. It's hot, it's dry, and it's usually very windy. And if we can get through this summer without facing a bushfire, we will feel very fortunate. It's just, uh, I don't like summer because of the, that fact, even if I didn't mind the heat. Yeah, we always got to be alert to the possibility of a bushfire. And we live right on the bush. The bush is over our fence. 
a few paces down the road and we're right into it. And uh, yeah, last October, we did have a bushfire burning uh, on our doorstep right at that bush at the end of our road. It was uh, about October, mid-October, and one lunchtime I remember hearing a siren go by through the village and we're always alert to sirens going through wondering what they mean. Uh, not long after another siren, another siren, oh a dozen or more sirens went by. We knew something was wrong but we didn't know what it was. It could have been an accident on the freeway. It could have been somebody having an accident through the cutting but we discovered later that it was a bushfire that they were rushing to. In the next village, uh, yes, power lines had fallen down. It was a very windy day, and it was very uh, warm and a dry time of year. I think September had been their hottest September ever recorded since they'd been keeping records. So bushfires, um, it was the type of weather that a bushfire could begin in. So, yes, we discovered the, that what the problem was when I went up to the village in the afternoon to a hairdressing appointment and I found the hairdressers were closed and there was a notice on the, the door saying closed due to bushfire and the hairdressers had gone home to get ready to evacuate if need be. So I had a look as I was walking home back from the village. I could see the smoke over the trees uh, down our way. And yes, that fire spread very, very quickly. Uh, we spent days and days listening to the reports online, uh, tuning in to every bushfire um, update. Our fire wasn't the only fire burning. It seemed like the whole of New South Wales was all burning at the same time. There were big fires all over the state. And I guess there was some concern that they were all going to meet up and become one huge fire. Uh, yeah, for, for days, maybe a couple of weeks or more, we were on alert for evacuation. We had our bags by our front door with all our essential papers in, clothes packed, uh, ele electronics packed into bags, all things that we wanted to keep if we had to uh, leave home when we, you know, we wanted to grab them and take them with us if we had to evacuate and there was a possibility that we would come back and find our house burnt down. Oh, it's always a bit worrying being on alert. I think, well, ha what if we get caught up here? What if we don't hear uh, the evacuation notice? But for the last couple of years, uh, a new system has been in place where we'll receive emergency phone calls for evacuation. There's a special dial tone on the, on the phone. It, it rings and gives out an emergency warning, which is uh, something to be thankful for because... Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking out the window and thinking, is that fire coming? Can I see smoke on the horizon? And you never know, quite want to go to bed, just in case the fire gets closer during the night while we're not alert. But eventually the firefighters, they got this fire contained and under control, even though it didn't go out for many weeks. And I think about those firefighters. I mean, they're real heroes, aren't they? They'll go out there in the bush and fight those fires so that our properties remain safe and even our lives and it's not a job that um, just anybody can do Pe people have to have a lot of courage to go and train to face fires I spoke to a few well my husband spoke to a few and passed on the messages spoke to a few firefighters that were in our street at the time of that bushfire 
and they'd come from all over the place, even overseas, to to help save our homes. It was really remarkable. They were working uh, in an area that they didn't know. All they had was maps. It's not like us locals who know our area quite well. There's a lot of gullies out there in the the bush near us. It's uh, some of it is inaccessible. The fire gets into it, and and the firefighters can't actually get to the fire to put it out. And there's a special uh, team of firefighters which we especially admire. They're called Raft. Now I forgot from exactly what that means. I think it means remote area fire team, something like that. But anyway, the firefighters get dropped off in remote areas by helicopter and they have their tools with them, axes and things, and they fight the fire from within and they have to make their own way out. I think that really is quite remarkable. But anyway, there was a lot of weather involved at that time because it was hot it was windy and it was dry and we spent a lot of time praying for rain so that because we thought that the rain would help the firefighters fight the fire. We got a few sprinklings uh, a couple of days but nothing that was worth anything until finally it rained and oh that was such a good moment. So I've had a lot of good, good conversations about bushfires and the weather. I've also written a lot of blog posts about them too. I think it's a very interesting subject. But um, back to that Art of Conversation course that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, yeah, for 12 weeks, my husband, Andy, and I, we met up with uh, a group of other parents to improve our conversational skills. We knew somebody who had um, Ethel Cotton Monaghan's course, The Art of Conversation. Uh, he was a good conversationalist himself, and he presented the course to us, and we had some really good discussions and improved our conversation skills. We were given each week photocopies of the course to take home uh, so that we could review the lessons and practice the skills. And the other week, I found my photocopies under the bed, which made me think about the art of conversation again. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. And I went online because I thought, well, uh, these photocopies are really hard to read. They're really bulky. Perhaps I could buy a proper bound copy of the course. So I would, yeah, I did a Google search and I actually found myself on a few uh, blogs which had articles about the course. And they were very disparaging about it. They said it was very old-fashioned, out of date. Well, I guess it is. It was written in the 1960s, and life has changed a lot since then, and etiquette has, you know, just it's all very different these days. But I still think the course has something to offer us. I think that um, conversational skills are very important, and it's one of the things that I'd like my children to be good at. I think it will do them well in life to be able to talk to people, to take an interest in others, and yes, to learn from their conversations. I think other people must agree, even though this course is out of date, because there are new modern books on this subject too. If you go to Amazon or the Book Depository and look up The Art of Conversation, you won't find Ethel um, Cotton Monaghan's book in print anymore, but you'll find that other people have maybe updated her ideas or added their own. They've written their own books about conversation. And the other day, we were going somewhere new, and Jim Rose was worried that nobody would talk to her because they didn't know her. 
So I just told her to start a conversation. She wanted to know how to, you know, what's the best way mum is starting a conversation. So I said, just ask a few questions. I told her, yeah, just take an interest in other people and uh, the other, they will start talking to you. And she rolled her eyes and she replied, oh yes, mum, they'll start talking about themselves and I won't get to say anything. All I'll do is stand there and listen. I know what she means. I mean, I know a few people who are exactly like that. You ask them a question and they start talking and they talk and they talk and they talk all about themselves and their own experiences and what they have done. And I stand there and I nod and I say, yes, yes, occasionally. And they never think to ask anything about me or to let me join in on the conversation. So I think Gemma Rose has got a point. And it's hard work talking to somebody like that. I find that they just, they say so much and this, their stories get very complicated. They go from one thing to another without a break. And I, I really get quite tired trying to keep up and I don't remember it all. But really, I think that's not a conversation. It's a monologue. I think a conversation is about sharing stories and ideas. It's a to and a fro. It's enjoyable for all involved. Everybody is interested in each other and the subject. My children and I, also my husband Andy, we have conversations all the time. As I don't think there's anything better than sitting around the table and chatting together. And I think that... Um, my girls especially, they're the ones that I talk to more than anybody else at the moment. The older ones are often out. But I think they learn a lot from uh, talking about anything and everything with me. It's a, a good way to uh, to learn. But when we're talking, we have to have a few guidelines. I think that we have to make sure that we take turns talking, that we don't leave anybody out, that nobody dominates the conversation. And Gemma Rose is very good at uh, getting to have her say. She's learnt that being the smallest, she doesn't always uh, get a chance to talk. Sometimes the older ones, uh, their voices are louder, they're quicker at getting in. But she has uh, formed this habit of putting her hand up in the air and she jumps up and down in her chair. And I notice her and I'll say something like, the girl with her hand up uh, has something to say. It's a bit of a family joke, and then everybody stops and they listen to what she has to say. I also think it's important to respect opinions because if if, if uh, somebody gets uh, um, stomped on because of something they have said, it really dries up the conversation. Uh, they don't want to join in in anymore because their thoughts aren't valued. I talked a little bit about this with my older girls in my podcast about um, teenagers two or three weeks ago. And yeah, they, they were talking, my girls were talking about how important it is for adults to listen to teenagers when they have something to say and not to disregard what they have to say either, but to respect it, to value, to value it. Because I think that we all have something valuable to say and we can all learn from each other during our conversations. Now, I said that I would like my children to have good conversational skills. And how will they gain those skills? I think the best way they can gain them is by following my example. I, mean, I have a friend who is a very good conversationalist. She takes a good interest in other people. 
and she learned that from her father, who was a diplomat. And so I do think a good example is um, necessary. So, am I a good conversationalist? I think that I'm good at talking, but I, so that's not the same as being a good conversationalist. We can all talk, can't we? Uh, I was just telling you about the friends I know who are, like to have long monologues. But anyway, I, I do try. I've done a, a communication course as well as a conversation course, and I try and I remember this, to use the skills that I have learned, but it certainly doesn't hurt to brush up um, on skills every now and then, and I do think that I, I, I have slipped. So I might get those photocopies, that the ones I've pulled out from under the bed, and I might um, review them and put them in those skills into action. I might actually find out where I'm going wrong with these friends who are speaking about themselves all the time. Obviously, I need to direct the conversation a bit more, so I might find out how to do that, and hopefully my children will follow my example. Now, I guess that at this point, I should have a piece of music. I was talking about making my podcast more professional last podcast, but I actually haven't done anything about that yet. I've just got lots and lots of uh, speech again. But yes, a piece of music would be appropriate here because I'm going to change the subject. Well, it is related, but yes, I want to tell you about a hero. Uh, we've talked about the bushfire heroes, but this hero is a little closer to home. Um, it involves my husband, Andy. Now, a week or so ago at school, he was in the playground when a student's mother collapsed and she stopped breathing. Andy and another teacher there who was on the scene, they had to apply CPR to get her breathing again. They didn't have to do this once. They did it three times before the ambulance arrived. They they did CPR. They got her into the recovery position. She'd stopped breathing. They had to roll her back over, apply CPR again, and so on until the ambulance arrived. And when the ambulance arrived, they had to use the defibrillator a couple of times before they could even get the woman into the ambulance. And apparently they had to revive her at three more times on the way to the hospital. But it was a good news story. She survived and she had to have open heart surgery. But And she's still in hospital at the moment. But it, the, the future does look good for her. Now, when her, she's got five sons, and when they heard what Andy and this other teacher had done, they were so grateful, so thankful, you can just imagine um, how they felt, and they wanted to send, um, wanted to give a formal thanks to Andy and the teacher. So, last Friday, they came to the school to give a formal speech of thanks. Now, Andy got all embarrassed. He said that, you know, he, it was nothing. But I think it was. I think it was an exceptional thing he did and the other teacher because uh, because of his actions, five sons still have a mother alive. So I told that to Wendy and then his next point was anyone would have done it. But I wonder, would they? Yeah, of course everybody would like to have been in that situation, but would they have had the skills? Would they have known what to do? I can imagine many people panicking, not knowing what to do when someone collapses like that. But Andy knew what to do. He um, had done a CPR course and he kept his cool. And yes, that he and the other teacher were able to work on this woman and, until the ambulance officers took over. So it just shows me you how important it is to be prepared 
just in case. The um the sons they after they gave uh a speech their speech of thanks they presented um gifts to Andy and the teacher and Andy said it, that to me really it wasn't necessary he got embarrassed he said I didn't uh do uh the CPR for any thanks I just did it because I had to and I said to him that I thought that the gifts and the thanks were absolutely necessary they're not necessary for him but they were necessary for the family. They wanted to show how grateful they were in a concrete way. I think it would help them deal with it to be able to do something that is visible、um, to thank Andy and the other teacher. I think that's very important. And quite often, we don't let other people do things for us like that. We don't want to accept their thanks. We don't want to accept gifts. We don't want to accept help. We brush it off and we say it was nothing. And sometimes I think we need to stop. And accept that help, those gifts, that those thanks, because、um, it, it is necessary for the other person. Anyway, it wasn't just the the, the sons who came to thank Andy.、Uh, two newspaper crews from local newspapers also arrived at the same time. They came with a photographer and journalists, and they wanted to take photos and interview Andy and the other teacher. And one of the questions they asked them, Andy, was. How did you know what to do? And Andy told them that he'd learnt CPR, but had said, you know, I, that he'd never expected that he'd ever have to use it. Yes, I think that we all have to be prepared for any emergency situation. Sadly, I'm not prepared at all. I've never done a CPR course or any first aid course, and nor has Gemma Rose. Um, all my other children have. They used to belong to St John Ambulance. They belonged for many years.、Um, they worked their way up from juniors to cadets, and a couple of them, well, Air Callum in particular, was an adult member. But yeah, a couple of years ago, they left St John Ambulance. Callum didn't have any time anymore because he was working, involved in other things. I think the other children just had done it for so long they decided to have a break. But yeah, Gemma Rose was never old enough to go with them. You have to be eight to join St John Ambulance, and I think they left just before her eighth birthday. I think about that, and I think how sad it is sometimes to be the youngest in the family and to miss out because sometimes by the time they get to the right age for an activity, everybody else in the family has moved on, <laughs> and so she never actually got to go to St John Ambulance. We talked about maybe Gemma Rose and Sophie going back to St John Ambulance the other day after、uh, this incident that Andy had with the CPR. I thought it might be good for Gemma Rose to get some first aid training to learn what it was all about. Not that I would make her go, but I asked her about it, and yes,、yeah, she sounds like she's very interested in going. And I talked to Andy about making this commitment again, because for years every Friday night. He had to drive into town to drop the kids off for their St John ambulance meetings. They had to drive all the way home again, and then had to drive all the way back again to pick them up late at night. And not only that, there's all the duties that the kids have to do. They have to be driven to these duties over the weekend, and I would usually do the ones during the week. But it's a lot of driving around and coming back and dropping off. And I, we talked about, do we want to do that again? Do we want that commitment? To be quite honest, we don't. It's a lot of time and effort, 
But I think there are some things that parents just have to do, regardless of whether they want to do them. I th- and I do think that this is probably one of those things. I've just got one more little thing to say about um, CPR and St. John Ambulance and children. The children have to get adult permission to learn how to do the CPR. They won't teach them CPR unless a parent uh, gives that permission. I think about this. I think, well, it's a lot of responsibility for a child. If they are trained in CPR and they are in, in an emergency situation, then they might feel pressured to apply that knowledge And what if they feel they can't deal with it? It's a big responsibility. But I talked about to our kids about this, and they all wanted to learn, so they have. So, um, yeah, maybe Gemma Rose will get a chance to uh, learn as well, and maybe I should do a first aid course as well. I must say I have a better idea of what CPR is all about because the kids have been demonstrating to me over the last few days, so if someone did collapse tomorrow, maybe I'd have a, know a little bit about it to make a start. And maybe with the help of a, a phone call from the ambulance talking to me, I could work my way through it. So I think I'm coming to the end of episode 14, another podcast recorded. And did I talk about everything I wanted to talk about? Well, I hope so. I hope it was interesting because if weather isn't very interesting, this podcast isn't going to be very interesting at all. And maybe I should, yeah, get that course out and uh, refresh myself on what they actually said about the weather. Now, if you would like to read the program notes for this podcast, I have some blog posts about the weather. I don't know if they're interesting. I also got some about bushfires and various other things that we have spoken about today. And I could put a link in for the Art of Conversation course by Ethel Cotton Monaghan. It's out of print, but I had a look. And there are a, a number of second-hand copies available. It's very easy to find a copy. I just did a bit of a Google search. And they're not expensive. I think you can pick up a copy from somewhere like eBay for around the $10 mark. Maybe some copies a little bit less, some a bit more. But they're not um, that uh, expensive if you would like to have a look. Yes, so please visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And if you would like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that through iTunes. Um, I think that's about it for this week. I'll be back uh, this time next week with another podcast. And until then, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening.